When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's February 8th, 1992, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Cracking America has largely eluded some massive British acts like the Jam, Suede, Stereophonics, and Robbie Williams, but today in history in 1992, two bald burks from East Grinstead with string vests on took the US by storm when their novelty hit I'm Too Sexy reached the Billboard Hot 100 number one. And despite being a British group, so British in fact that they are named after the 1962 novelty chart hit by Bernard Cribbins, they only reached number one in the US. They were kept off the top spot in the UK by everything I do, I do it for you, that all-timer. Although the UK was actually an exception to the rule in a way, because the US number one was actually only one of 32 countries where this completely brainless but oddly hypnotic (laughs) concoction topped the charts. Well, it's not entirely brainless. Like... I mean, it's mostly brainless, but there's <laughs> but there is a quality to it that because there's sufficient self mockery, I mean, built into the lyric "I am too sexy for my shirt" is there's an apostrophe there, Ariel. I know. I really loved the lack of contraction. There. <laughs> it made it more of a statement. <laughs> well, but Ariel's it's... the guy standing at the back of heaven with his hand in the air. Saying, excuse me, excuse me, Mr. Fairbass. You're fine. I yeah. think you'll notice I am too sexy for my cat. It doesn't scan the way you've got it. <laughs> um, But I think that it's got built into it this sense of, like, um, self-depreciation that means that anyone who sings it can be simultaneously mocking the person who they think is too vain and also themselves for, you know, anything that they have ever done where they've put on something and thought they look good in that. Or to put it another way, it's English. I mean, I don't think anyone but someone from England could have written and then pulled off this song. Yeah. Richard Fairbrass... Looked the part, right? When Right Said Fred got to number one. Like, yeah, not too he, sexy he, for his shirt. No. <laughs> exactly as sexy as his shirt. A, a, gym, a gym bunny, right, yeah. was the look. And yet he's obviously being playful and self-mocking. And that is just something that Americans don't do. I mean, you might get like a kind of parody American star like Weird Al Yankovic singing about being sexy when clearly the joke is... He isn't by conventional standards. Mm. But the English thing about this was here's someone who convincingly could be a male model and yet they are puncturing that with a stupid earworm. But also I think it was that you could join in. I mean, I do think it is as simple as that. You know, Mm -hmm. all around the world people were like, I'm too sexy for this meeting. I'm too sexy for this croissant. Yeah, I mean, that feeling actually coloured the way that they came at writing the lyrics because, so Richard says that he and his brother, who did run this gym together at the back of a theatrical rehearsal studio in London, just saw a lot of narcissism and posing coming through their space. And he said one day it was really hot and he was standing in front of a mirror and he took his shirt off and started singing this lyric, I'm too sexy for my shirt. And everyone fell about laughing and they they immediately thought that they had something. But then over the next month composing the rest of the lyrics they explicitly sought out 
feelings and items and things that were going to be universal and the kinds of things that everyone has experienced. So I'm too sexy for my car, your party, my hat and so on. Yeah, and they'd both been working as backing musicians, session musicians for years at this point. Richard played bass, Fred played guitar, and they had both lived in New York City for a period of time. So their inspiration from the lyrics came both from their time running a gym and the bodybuilders and the posers that passed through there, but also, you know, they were musicians in the 1980s New York performance scene so they were going to clubs they're going to parties later on Fred told songwriting magazine the song was about quote the hedonism and the rise of supermodels at the end of the 1980s and Mm. even though the lyrics sometimes sound like nonsense you know there's a bit that says too sexy for Milan New York and Japan I mean those Mm. are all fashion hotspots so you can see the link there and also the fact that their first version was recorded in an indie rock style and I think all of that taken together totally recontextualizes it it's a song by cool rock musicians looking down at this vain superficial 1980s world like they're a little bit too good for it rather than when you actually see the finished product you know in the dance style with the ridiculous outfits they're fully part of that yes yeah and actually if you think about the george michael song too funky you know not lyrically that different and had all those supermodels in the video naomi campbell kate moss christy turlington cindy crawford you know that came out four months later Mm. um (laughs) And actually, it's it's sort of the same song, really, isn't it? But done seriously. Mm. Yeah, you're just too funky for me. The only difference, really, is that in this, it's the man saying, I'm too sexy. And I feel like in 1992, the concept of male sexuality was just amusing. Yes. It was like the, the mainstream idea that any man, even a good-looking man, would stand there and just brazenly say, I'm really sexy, was just inherently funny to people. Particularly when you have them in string vests <laughs> and their team around them advised that they should actually slim down a bit because they were so buff because of this time running gyms that actually they would have been almost threatening. Like they had to be at the right level of sexiness, I guess, that they were, you know, something like what they were saying they were, but they were demeaning it through what they were wearing and how they presented themselves. I mean, what's funny is that they and the song would go on to become gay icons precisely due to the content, which they intended as satire, the sound, which wasn't their original sound at all, Mm. and the leather and fishnet shirt Mm. look, which was meant to be part of the joke and the presentation. Because instead of being widely interpreted as satirical, which it might have been if it had stayed in a rock style, it was enjoyed literally as this brash, campy disco Mm. floor filler where people would imitate the sort of catwalk strut. Yeah, I mean, I think the overt gayness of it you know it wasn't just camp it was like obvious to me and I remember I was like 11 and it was obvious to me that Richard Fairbrass was gay I knew that much Mm. and it's because it's funny that we end up talking about this in the same week as minstrelsy because it's almost you know and he's allowed to get away with it because he is gay but it's almost kind of gay face isn't it that they're doing Mm. in the video it's like a parody of gay men in nightclubs But nevertheless, they had a lot of trouble getting it off the ground because maybe it was too silly. You know, in the early days, they just weren't able to find themselves an agent. They ended up uh, partnering with a woman who was like 18 or 19 years old, who was actually the receptionist in a studio called Red Bus Studios in London. Just most of the, the places that they'd sent it said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. But she said to them, if I can get it on the radio, I want to manage you. And they said, we'll give you a shot because I suppose they were 
out of luck with all the other more conventional options. And so they were like, yeah, if you can get us on the radio, then you can take a 20% cut. That actually was they des- what they decided with this woman, Tamsin Aronowitz. Um, and she became their PR manager and actually managed to get it to a record promoter called Guy Holmes. And he put it on in his car and didn't particularly like it himself, but apparently the passengers all found it hilarious. And from there, he started to push it and he gave it to Simon Bates, who played it on Radio 1. From the acetate. I mean, it hadn't been released. That's there was right. no record for yeah. Simon Bates to play on Radio 1, but he just played it anyway because it was funny. Yeah. And yet they didn't have a record label. As you said, they've been rejected by everyone. Island Records has even gone to the trouble of sending them a fax to say how much they hated it. So no one was interested in this song. And then suddenly people <laughs> wanted to buy this song. Yeah. And actually that is something that I do feel sneaking admiration for these guys for because they were very generous with the person who took a punt on them, as you yeah. said, giving her 20%. And then when they actually got to America's number one, you know, that's the point at which normally the major record label cream off all your money, right? But no, it went to them. It was on their imprint and they wrote it. And that is the way to do novelty number one, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. But even as it was becoming a hit, there was still this ambivalence around it. There was a radio producer who played it, but apparently commented, I'm not sure if this is good or if it's crap. But there was just this demand for it. And it it became kind of a word of mouth hit in the UK. And then apparently what happened was a DJ from Miami heard it while he was on holiday in the UK and brought it back to the US and it sort of spread in a similar way there. But I think let's not uh, undervalue the musical elements of this song. It doesn't Mm. outstay its welcome. It's under three minutes long, isn't it? It's got claps in it, so when you're listening, you can (laughs) along to it as well. Yeah. It has a guitar sample in it, which wasn't acknowledged until the Jimi Hendrix estate (laughs) realised. Yeah. (laughs) From Third Rock from the Sun. And incredibly, they were very generous about it and just asked for a writing credit and a charitable donation. Um, (laughs) And most of the beat actually comes from uh, Hot Pants, uh, a track that Bobby Bird released in 1972. So there's actually a lot of like disco and rock heritage within the song. There's a reason why it's compelling to listen to, which I think can be as well further demonstrated by the fact that I'm Too Sexy has itself been referenced and sampled by Taylor Swift, Beyonce and Drake. I think their mixed legacy is quite well summed up by the fact that in June 2007, I'm Too Sexy was voted number 80 on the 100 greatest songs of the 90s by VH1. But in April 2008, just a year later, their song was rated number 49 in the 50 worst songs ever (laughs) by Blender. And it is both of those things. It's both good and terrible. I also love the fact that when you search for Right Said Fred on Spotify these days, the number one result is still Bernard Cribbins. (laughs) (laughs) tomorrow why they're called ggs today is because of henry g absolutely not arian i'm gonna well that's what i've got ditch the ads and get a sunday episode when you join club retrospectors subscribe now on apple podcasts part of the acast creator network Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.